morning, friends. It's certainly a privilege to be here this morning in the tabernacle when we're already packed now and waiting for the big meeting to start in San Jose this week in, in San Jose, California. Uh, we're going to leave immediately after service for the West Coast, and then we'll be down at Coconut uh, Gardens for about two days also, the Lord willing, with the Christian businessman. And we're expecting a great time in the Lord on the West Coast. They got 82 churches in the sponsorship and both associations of the San Joaquin and the valleys through the West Coast. And so we're at the fairgrounds there. If some of your friends, uh, you know, that would like to attend some of the services, we'd be glad to meet your friends and, um, and your relatives. And we're expecting, I have a greater expectation this morning and most any meeting I have ever been on yet, because I believe that we're just at the eve of something fixing to happen. Amen. I've looked forward to it for a long time, and I, I believe that we're right on the verge of it now for something that God is going to help His children a little further up the road. You know, the Bible said that when the enemy comes in like a flood, the, st the Spirit of God would raise up a standard against it. And when God gives His church a blessing and they move along in that blessing so long until it becomes common to the world, then they begin to run it down, then the Spirit of God comes in and raises up a standard again. And there is a breaking forth of a revival or something. And our great hopes is this, that one of these days the Spirit of God will send back Jesus Christ to the earth. Then it'll be perfect then. That'll be the real standard. Now, there's just standing around the, the walls and things and all over the building. I met a man coming in when I parked my car and he said, I said, yeah, I'll leave it sitting here with the key, then you can move out any time you want to. He said, well, I tried to get in. I couldn't find no place to stand. And our church is far too small for a meeting. But leaving this morning, and we announced it last Sunday of being here, and would come to pray for the sick. And to give you some instructions on what we had just seen taking place. And there has been more, by the grace of God, added to it. For this morning. Now, we've preached and others before us of the near coming of the Lord, the soon coming, and we believe that it's growing closer. Of course it is. Day by day. But if we'd stop and think that one of these days you were going to hear it the last time, and then the Lord Jesus will come. All the earth uh, the trees, all nature, the peoples, the church, everything is groaning, weeping, holding on, waiting for that day for His coming. Nature knows that it'll, it'll stop suffering then. And people know they'll stop suffering then. Death will lose its last grip. And the grave and hell will be swallowed up in victory. I was so glad this morning to meet this little pastor here that 
played us the music and sang from Sellersburg. One of the brothers has been speaking about the revival going on up there, and I guess they've already announced it and so yes, forth. Amen. So that's very fine. May the Lord bless them up there, and every effort that they put forth is my sincere prayer for the kingdom of God. Now, the word of the Lord is most precious to us. We know that. So, today I believe that we're so close to the coming of the Lord and the fields are so needy. I've just been talking to some of the brethren. I believe a great deal of my ministry will be designated overseas now. We're planning on Africa right after Christmas and over into Australia and many of the places. The Lord is moving now and opening up the ways for us. We've had invitations around the world for a long time, and we may be able to take that right after Christmas now, if you all will pray for us. Now, I have here before me the Word of God laying open. Now, I've opened back the pages because physically, and by the help of God, I'm able to do that, to pull open the Bible. But I am not able to open the contents Amen. There's only one who can do that. That's God alone. Amen. He was the one who wrote it by His Holy Spirit. And He's the only one that can open the Bible to us. Amen. And I trust that He'll open our hearts as we read it and will make it known to us. I'll be just as briefly this morning. First, I want to do as I promised to do to tell you all what has just happened in the last few days concerning the changing of my ministry. And then I've got a short text. Then we pray for the sick, and I believe there's baptism because I've seen the pool is filled. But before we go farther, let us bow our heads just a moment now in prayer. And I wonder how many people in here that are conscious that you need God and would raise up your hands to God and say, so much of doing so, remember me, Lord. I have need of such and such things. Let us pray. O oh Lord, quietly, we realize that we must come quietly into the presence of God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and a rewarder of those that will diligently seek after him. And we come in the quietness of the Spirit to thy throne, O God, and we lift up our hearts before thee and say, Search them, O Lord, and if there be any unclean thing in us, remove it, Lord, as far as the east is from the west. And if there be any iniquity in our hearts, something that would hinder our prayers from being answered, we pray that you will let the blood of the Lord Jesus move ever stain from our spirit and our heart. 
For it is written, If I see iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. And thou didst see the hands as they went up that to our physical eyes represented their heart's need. We pray, O Lord, that you will answer each and every one of them. There's many needy. And we would ask in the congregation of the people this morning that you would remember this San Jose meeting coming. Help us, O Lord, as hundreds of miles of snow and ice lay before us to travel. But we're going in the name of the Lord to try to do all that lays within us to help thy people, Lord. Help the lost to find you as their Savior and helping the weak and the blind and smoothing out the way for others that will follow us. Bless our little church and its pastor, our brother Neville, all the trustees and deacons and the laity and all the teachers and all that is affiliated. Not only that, but all the churches that's represented here for those young men who are holding forth at Sellersburg. We would ask, Lord, that your hand would stretch out to them, Lord. May you raise up a mighty church of the living God in Sellersburg. Grant it, Lord. Heal the sick, give sight to the blind, strength to the feeble, and salvation to the needy. As we read of thy word this morning, may the Holy Spirit come get into the word and quicken it to our hearts. Bless those who are to be baptized. May they be filled with the Holy Ghost when they rise from the water, giving glory to God. Get glory into thyself, Lord, and as we've gathered this morning for the purifying of our souls and our thoughts. May we leave this tabernacle this morning with a more determination than we ever had to serve you. May we live congregated together, closely woven and bound by the Holy Spirit until that day when we meet in your house in glory, around your throne where millions will be saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. May we all be there without the absence of one. Granted, Lord, until that time, keep us healthy, happy, and filled with your Spirit serving you. These things we ask in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. May the Lord add the blessings as we read now in the book of St. Mark, the 11th chapter, beginning with the first verse. And then after just a little quotation or exhortation, then I will go to our text. This is reading for what I'm fit wanting to tell you. And when they came, I beg your pardon, I want to get the 10th verse to save the time. 
the 10th verse of the 11th chapter. Blessed be the kingdom of our father David that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus entered into Jerusalem and into the temple. And when he had looked around upon all things, and now evening tide was come, and he went out unto Bethany with his twelve. And on the morrow, when they were come to Bethany, he was hungered. And seeing a fig tree far off having leaves, he came if happily he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. Jesus answered and said unto it, No man eateth fruit of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. And they came to Jerusalem, and Jesus went into the temple and began to cast out them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrowed the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves and would not suffer that any man should carry any vessel through the temple. And he taught, saying unto them, It is, is it not written, My house shall be called of all nations a house of prayer? but you made it a den of thieves. And the scribes and the chief priests heard it and sought how they might destroy him, for they feared him because all people were astonished at his doctrine. And when evening was come, he went out of the city. And in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, calling to remember, said unto him, Master, behold the fig tree which thou did curse, it is withered away. Jesus answering said unto them, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. What a gracious promise and it is absolutely the truth. This stumped me, or as I should use that expression, for a long time. How could that be? And one time when I first started preaching here at the tabernacle many years ago, I run on to the word of hell, and I run the reference to it many times, and it referred to Hades in the Greek, which meant the grave. And I didn't know what to say, because 
I do not want to be responsible for man's souls at the day of the judgment. So I searched it and searched until I found what was the truth. For about four or five years, I would not touch the subject of hell until I found what was truth about it. And then this scripture stumped me even more. Because it was outstanding, such a promise being made by none other than Jesus Christ. And when He said to His disciples, what things soever you say you can have, if thou shalt say to this mountain, be plucked up and removed into the sea, and will not doubt in your heart, but shall believe that what you have said will come to pass, you can have what you said. Oh, if we could weigh those words, you can have what you say. Not what I say, but what you have said. You can have what you said. For years, I lingered over that. I went to ever Lexan commentary, ever translation, even to the Douay version, and every translator translates it the same. You can have what you say. So I know that if it's written in the Scripture, to me, all Scripture is truth. And if I can't rightly divide it, it's still the truth. So I believe sometimes that God just lets us see things when it's time for us to see things. He withholds these blessings, like the blessings that we're enjoying today. Our forefathers did not enjoy those. It wasn't season for them. Now, I could remember when the Holy Spirit that night, when I returned back to this same desk from the mill where I'd been praying and told many of you people sitting here that He had charged me by His Spirit. Amen. A commission to all the world Hallelujah. that the lame would walk and the blind would see. Amen. And the kings and monarchs would be calling for prayer. And it would start a revival among the brethren that would sweep around the world before the coming of the Lord. It was hard to believe that. It was hard for me to believe it. But that's what's happened. Amen. It's just did that thing to today. Re Holy Ghost revival fires are burning the world around. Amen. India, Africa, Asia, all into Europe and everywhere. Holy Ghost, man filled with the Spirit Amen. is burning the world up with a revival Hallelujah. of the power of the risen Christ. Lame, walk, blind, see, deaf, hear, dumb, speak. All kinds of marvelous miracles are taking place. Because God promised it. And God's promise is true. 
And when I began to ponder over this, I could not but ask the one who was speaking to me. I was insufficient. And I suppose God had to pick some little unconcerned, illiterate person because in that he, God takes something that's nothing. Something that's been cast out. That's what makes me love God's people so. They cast them out as holy rollers are illegitimate people. But that's when God's ready to pick them up then and do something with them. And it pleases Him. That shows that He's God. Takes nothing and makes something out of it. Takes a sinner like me and makes a Christian. The hand of God. I questioned Him of the ability and He told me that I was to pray for sick people. And the commission was get the people to believe and be sincere. Then nothing would stand by the prayer. Many of you here remember that it's printed in literature across the world. I questioned how could I do that when I had no education. He said, there will be two signs be given you, as is given to Moses. And one of them would be about, like Moses' hand, he changed it from leprosy to healing. And, and then the same taking place about uh, putting my hand on the people and then how that, that made itself manifest. Then he said, you'll know the very secrets of their heart. And I, I said, that is why I'm here. He said, then he explained the scriptures to me. And oh, from that time, the Bible become a new word to me. I had a different look on it, a different view of it. Something happened. Then a little later... He said, then if you'll be sincere, stay humble, keep away from money and stuff, said, then it'll just keep blessing you and you'll keep climbing. Now, many times we look at men who climb up in great ranks like and get high names, but sometimes that's not what God calls high. You remember when John when came preaching the Bible foretold that every mountain would be brought low and every low place would be lifted up. Amen. See, and when it come, you would think it would be coming out of heaven with fiery chariots, but what was it but a poor man dressed in a piece of sheepskin wrapped around him and out on the banks of Jordan preaching Amen. on the muddy banks, not even in a church, but God called that great and when Jesus said to the disciples that there wasn't one born of a woman as great as John the Baptist. Hallelujah. You take all the kings and David, the prophet and all of his great splendor in Solomon, they didn't even touch John. Hallelujah. And yet he didn't even have a place to lay his head. So you don't have to be rich and mighty in this world to be great in the sight of God. You only have to be humble in your heart. God calls that greatness. He that's great enough to humble himself. That's a great person. That'll, that'll take the blame for everything. That'll humble himself. That's greatness. Then we find that 
this what God said then it was pronounced from the pulpit you're the first time it done just exactly what it said it would do Amen. there come up the Pentecostal church caught revival and today the Pentecostal church is the fastest growing church in all the world Last year they registered, that doesn't include us and, and these out of the denominations, 1,500,000 conversions last year, which covered all the rest of Protestantism put together and Catholicism too. Catholicism only had, I believe, 475,000, something like that, converts around the world. But Pentecost went a million five hundred thousand. God's making His church ready. Man of no education, low degrees, rise up in the power anointing of the Amen. Spirit. Go out without any education or anything and proclaim the unsearchable riches of Christ. That's what's great in the sight of God. And we know to stand that all these things set fire and the Holy Spirit was true to His Word. After about five years of taking the people by the hand, then one night in Queen Cities in Regina in Canada, a man walked across the platform and there laid his life just as open as it could be before the Spirit. There was discernment as He promised. That's been around the world. It's printed in... Many, many languages printed all around the world. All the world knows about it. Amen. Then the enemy come in and made fun of it and said it was mind reading and there was impersonations come of it and everything else. But in the midst of all of it, God moved right on just the same. God stayed true to His loyal promise. He will every time. Now we find later than one day I was going a, a fishing down at Dale Holler with some man, Mr. Woods and his brother. And they were Jehovah Witnesses and just had been converted and baptized into the faith. And while we were fishing over against the bank, I've told you the story many times. There, uh, Mr. Woods, said uh, the banks would, uh, one of our trustees here now, said about some old sister that used to feed them a slice of homemade bread and butter. She belonged to the church of God. And said to his brother, we ought to go up and tell her that we got saved. Amen. You know, there's just certain things that we can say that takes a hope with the Holy Spirit. Just certain things that pleases him just right. And when we say that thing, I want you to notice what you say. Hallelujah. If we can just find what to say. Amen. Your words judge you. Your words condemn you. Or your words will bless you. Hallelujah. And unconsciously, Banks must have said the right thing. For no more than he said that, I was sitting in the back of the boat fishing with a fly line for a little bluegill fish to be to put on the line for bait before we run out of bait. 
And I was catching these little fish and putting them in a bucket for the trout line. And when Banks said that, all of a sudden something struck me. He said the right thing. And the Holy Spirit spoke out and said, Thus saith the Lord. You'll find in the next few hours there will be a resurrection of a little animal. I thought it would be a kitten that I thought my little boy had squeezed too hard and squeezed the breath out of him and, and dropped him on the floor before we left. I thought that's what it would be. But to our surprise the next morning, while we were sitting in the boat, I know Banks is here. I guess Lyle. Is Lyle here? Banks or did... If you are Lyle, raise up your hands. He comes down with us all the time. Um, he was caught a fish with a one of the, a long hook, and he caught a little bluegill fish, and it swallowed the hook all the way down. And he took a hold of the little fish instead of just taking the hook out of his mouth. He was caught so deep till he just pulled it, and he pulled the the stomach and the intestines and the gills and all right out of his mouth. And he just threw it out on the water, just a little fish like we had been fishing with night before, and it cut up a hundred of them or more for bait. And the little fellow quivered four or five times and tried to work his little mouth, but he couldn't because it's filled up with gills and so forth. And Lyle said, you shot your last water, little fella. Well, I went ahead fishing, thinking nothing about it. Then... God does seem so strange. All of a sudden, I felt there coming something down over the top of them woods. The Holy Spirit moved down and said, Stand up! Said, Speak to that little fish and it shall have its life again. It had been laying there dead for a half hour. Done floated back into the weeds. I said, little fishy, I can give you your life in the name of the Lord Jesus. That little fish turned over, flipped up and went out to the water just as hard as he could go. I stood there not knowing what to do. Brother Banks Wood said, it's good for us to be here. And Lyle said, that meant me because I said that thing to him. You shot your last wad, little fellow. And he got all excited. I said, no, it isn't. I was trying to console Lyle. I said, that isn't so. And then the scripture came to me again. I had at least a hundred little spastic children on the list to pray for. Many people with leukemia and Cancer and tuberculosis being eat up, blind and deaf and dumb. There's page after page at my house full of them. And it looks like that a merciful God would have granted that instead of using His power on a little old insignificant fish. But He remains God. Why didn't He use His power on the lepers at the gate instead of the little fig tree? What is it to do? God wants to show that He's concerned. He knows all things. He's God over the fig tree. He's God over the fish. He's God over creation. 
He's God over all things. And there's nothing too little or too insignificant but what he's interested in. So that would give us to know, though we be little and insignificant, God's interested in us doing something for him. He likes to display his glory. And that stuck with me so hard that I could hardly rest day and night. That's been two years ago and constantly it has haunted at me. And I'd say, oh, I just can't say nothing about it. For I can't place it in the atonement. Whatsoever you say, it shall come to pass. You can have what you say. Now I've stood here at this same pulpit and tried and run on the scripture and refrain from it and go back because I was afraid to use it. You cannot have faith unless you know what you're doing. Some fellow come to me not long ago and he said, Brother Branham, do you think it's wrong for a Christian to smoke tobacco? And I said, what are you asking me for? If there's a question in your mind, leave it alone. Don't never. You can't have faith unless you're perfectly sure that you're right. When all shadows have drifted away, then you can have faith and confidence. And I could not walk out there and preach that scripture not knowing what I was talking about. But yet I knew it was of the Lord. Many of you people bear me record that for the last two years you've constantly heard me from this platform say that there's something, something, somewhere. I'm reaching. I know it's close at hand. I just can't seem to grasp it. I say I hit a scripture that I don't know what to do. Because scriptures, oh, you might put an interpretation. If someone would have asked me, I'd said something to them and walked away and turned it off on something else. But to face the issue, just like we've got to face the issue, is the baptism of the Holy Ghost right or wrong? We've got to face the issue, is Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever? Is it right or wrong? We've got to face it. We must know that God's word is always true. So on it went and up and down and I'd get it in my mind and I just couldn't get it away. And everywhere I'd go, it would constantly come to me. If you say to this mountain, be thou plucked up and cast into the sea and don't doubt in your heart. But shall believe that what you've said will come to pass. You can have what you have said. Oh, how can it be, Lord? That would be me saying it. I would, it wouldn't do no good. For it would be me saying it. So I can't say nothing but what you said. And I, I just say that by the scriptures. And all things rested in the atonement. There's no blessings outside of the atonement. Because we are sinners outside of the atonement. If it was just a universal thing for everybody, then everybody would be saved. But it's your attitude towards the blessings of the atonement that brings the blessings to you. 
like salvation as far as God was concerned. I was saved when Jesus died, but it'll never do me no good until it's revealed to me that he's the son of God. And I've accepted him as my savior. And every scripture is the same way. Divine healings for you. If God will reveal that to you, that that's for you. But you can't just stumble at it. It's got to come by revelation. Amen. And when it's revealed that by his stripes you were healed, there's nothing Satan can even do, as our young brother from Sellersburg said. All the devils couldn't move it. Sure, once something is revealed, notice, then in this last fall, many has said to me, why is it every morning you, when you're home, you Grab your rifle and take out to the woods to hunt. I want you to know that he's God of the woods just the same as he's God of the city. He's just as much God out there as he is here. God always deal with man according to their capacity. And what like David by the still waters and green pastures because he was a shepherd. And different ways he has revealing and Something, I'd get up of a morning to go out to the woods real early around four o'clock to squirrel hunt. My wife even said to me, she said, Billy, don't you never get tired of going hunting. See, this battle is won alone. My wife doesn't understand it. I don't understand it. But it's a fight. You have to stand alone. Nobody can stand with you. Just room for you and Jesus. Hallelujah. Misunderstood, sure. Even to my little girl there, Rebecca. She said, if I ever marry a man, if he even mentions going hunting, I'll not marry him. <laughs> said, I know what my mother's been through. Husband out and gone the meetings. As soon as he comes home, grabs an old rifle or a fishing pole and hits through the woods. I said, would you rather he'd do that or would you rather he'd grab a deck of cards or, or some blonde and take off? Uh, I just draw your opinion. When I come back that day, she said, Daddy, I apologize for that. I'm going to marry a man like you that likes to hunt that I'm going to hunt with him. She said, I'm going out with him. Amen. I said, well, that's all right, too. I wish you could talk to your mother a little bit about it. But it's something in the woods. When I first learned of God, I wanted to repent. I didn't know how to repent. I didn't know how to talk to Him. So I sat down and wrote Him a letter. And asked Him to forgive me. And I didn't know how to do it. So I noted I'd felt something out in the woods. And I tacked it on a tree. So when He come down through the woods in the place I had saw Him, and he could read this and would understand what I meant. And I was sorry I hadn't served him and I wanted to forgive me my sins. Then I got ashamed of myself and took it. I said, if he's a man, he'll understand as a man. He's my creator. And I got down in the shed and began to speak to him like a man. And he answered me back like a man. Then... It was on the, I've got some dates set down here on October the 12th. On the 15th, deer season was opening over in Wyoming. On the 12th was the last day I could hunt. 
And we were going to leave on the 12th. I mean, on the 10th, it was in the woods, which was a Saturday. Sunday, I preached, which was 11th on Monday. Brother Southman and Brother Roberson back there and all of us, we left for, for the meeting, or for the deer hunting over in Wyoming. On that morning of the 10th, which would be then on the 18th, the season would close in Indiana. We would have no more squirrel hunting. So I said, this will be the last time I can go out. And we gathered a bunch together and I strayed them around the woods. I went way back up into a place where I loved to go at Salem. Season was late. Squirrels were few. I've been out several times just getting one squirrel at a time. So this morning I made my way to the same woods and a wind rose and they begin to blow and anyone who hunts knows that's a bad morning. I hunted all the woods through without seeing one squirrel or hearing one. I went down into a creek bottom and started up to find another little scope of woods. And as I drew near this little wood, there was a, a lot of walnut trees and locust trees, the leaves all off of them, just a bare thicket, along beside of two sycamore trees. Now, squirrels don't uh, hang around sycamores. But right up from it, I seen look like a cup, the glimpse, I'll call the glimpse of a squirrel going up through the woods. But he was running fast. Oh, I said, there's no need of hunting. Here's people out here, the farmers picking their corn right around this little woods. The squirrels would not be here. So I sit down between the two trees and prop my feet up on one and lean back against the other to warm sunshine. I thought, I'll just take a little nap. Then I'll get Brother Banks and Brother Sothman and the boys as I go back and down the road. And as I sit there, <coughs> pardon me, as I sit there under the tree, just got snug down in the warm sun shining on me, something said, you, you say to this mountain, be thou plucked up and cast into the sea and shall not doubt in your heart. But believe that those things that you've said will come to pass. You can have what you've said. I said, well, now there's that scripture in my mind again. I said, I've got a while. You're about an hour before I have to go get the rest of the boys. So I'll just study that scripture. And I said, now, how could that apply? I said, here's the only way it could have been. That those disciples lived the other side of the atonement. The atonement was later. About it, or several weeks later, before the atonement was made. Jesus gave them power the other side of the atonement. Like he did the prophets. And when I said, prophets, something struck me again. What was the prophets? Then I begin to think of it about what he did with the prophets. And it got after I was speaking there for a while inside myself, just thinking, till I become so conscious of something here, till I was talking to someone. And something said to me, that's in the atonement. For if a man or a woman is so consecrated and surrendered to God, 
that God just moves in and uses their voice. And it isn't the man speaking, it's God that's in him speaking. I thought, that's right. Something said to me, who do you think, how do you see those visions on the platform? How do you see those visions out here? What is it do you think it's your own wisdom that you could predict something that would happen every time to the letter? Do you think it's you speaking? Would you think sometime when the Holy Spirit gets into a message and you don't know what to say, what is it speaking then? What is it when a man will speak with a tongue that he doesn't know nothing about it? What is it that will interpret that same tongue, neither one of them knowing anything about it? Is it the individual or is it the Spirit of the living God? I said, that is true. I see it. It's God that's speaking and all the church needs is a step closer to Him. A more of a consecrated life to live with Him. And while I was sitting there just for a moment or two thinking on this, I caught myself talking to someone. And I heard something say, ask Say what you will, and it shall come to pass. I said, what are you? I said, who am I talking to? Who are you? Who's standing here in these bushes that I can hear that voice talking to me? Who are you? Speak out to me. I got all excited and jumped up from between those trees. I said, speak to me. Who are you? I can't see you. I looked for that light there. I could see nothing. I screamed out, who are you? Where are you? What you want with me, Lord? Where are you? Something moved back and say, say what you will. And it shall be given to you. I said, Lord, are you changing my ministry? Is this the change you've been speaking of? Is this what it's coming to? Is this what it'll be? Something in that little house that I saw in the vision? Is this it? Just then a real deep, sweet anointing of the Holy Spirit raised me like off of my feet and said, Say what you will, and it shall be given unto you. I stood there amazed. It left me. I had nothing. I thought, well, what could I say? There's no sick people here. There's nothing here. I'm in the woods. What could I say? What 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 could I do? And I thought, oh, oh, am I losing my mind? Have I studied so hard till I'm, my mental powers are cracking up? And just then, I heard it just the same as you hear me. Said, aren't you hunting? And you have no game? Said, speak anything that you wish. Well, I thought this, God said, prove all things. I said, Lord God, if that be you, and this is a sign that you're fixing to change my ministry from those visions to something greater. I've looked for so long. I said, let it come to pass that you'll answer my prayer. 
And I stood there a little bit. And I thought, what did he say? He didn't say pray. He said, say what you will. Amen. You say it. And your words will materialize. Say to this mountain and it'll do just as you say. So I put my shoulder against the tree. And I'm used, got my rifle set for 50 yards to drive tacks. So I, I looked around to see a tree at 50 yards. And the one who was 50 yards away out, out of the leaves, I said, it's almost total impossible for a squirrel to come to that tree. Right here, them farmers there picking their corn. I said, but there will be a red squirrel come out on the end of that limb and sit down there. And I'll shoot him from here. And no more than I'd said it, there was a squirrel. I trembled a little and leveled down and shot the squirrel. Walked over and picked it up. I was shaking all over. I said, maybe that just happened that way. You know how people can doubt. But you want to be sure. Don't do nothing unless you're positive. And then you know what you're doing. I rubbed my face a little and I looked perfectly. I shot. So I went up and sat down on the side of the hill and I said, Lord, it is written in your word that the mouth of two or three witnesses let every word be established. I said, if that was you, forgive me of my stupidness, but I pray thee to give me another squirrel like that. And I said, then I'll believe you that it's you and the devil won't have any room to say that it just happened that way. So I sat down just in a moment. Here come that, I call it super anointing, swept over again and I was almost off of my feet and say, say what you will and it shall be given you. I looked through the woods until I found another tree some 50 yards away. Had a lot of brush in it and grapevines and things wrapped around where squirrels seldom ever take a tree like that. I said, there shall be another young fox squirrel sitting right there. And I took my finger down and looked around through the woods and looked back and there sat the fox squirrel looking right at me again. I shot that one, picked him up. I thought, oh, I was trembling. I thought, thank the great mighty God of heaven is here in the woods. And he's confirming to me in my own way hunting here that he's going to do just exactly what he told me 15 years ago. I watched it a little bit. I said, Lord, it shall happen again. He said, speak the place where it will be. I said, I'll make this radical. I said, that old snag sticking out there by the side of the field. Bare, slick and white. I said, there shall come another red squirrel. And he'll go out on the end of that snag. And look out over the field at the farmers. That'll be that way. I looked back and there was no squirrel there. I looked for about five minutes. There was still no squirrel. I, I said, well, I said, two. Two squirrels is fine. I said, two's a witness. I'll believe it like that. And something said, but you said there would be one. I waited another five minutes, nothing. And it kept quoting in my heart. 
You said there'd be one. I waited and waited. Something said, are you doubting? I said, not one bit. And I no more said that till out that limb went the red squirrel. Stood and looked at the farmers. God's my judge standing here. I shot the squirrel. Went over and picked him up and walked through the woods till I was way hours of past picking the boys up to see if there'd even be one more anywhere and there wasn't. Amen. Then I come home and told you about it. And then on November the 7th, I was down in Kentucky. I was with Brother Woods' brother-in-law standing there, Charlie Cox, standing there at the Pilaster. And with Brother Tony Zabel, one of the deacons here in the church. Are you here, Tony? Uh, he's here somewhere. Brother Tony Zabel. And also Brother Banks Woods. And we were up in the mountains hunting. And I started into the woods. And squirrels were very scarce. And old, the leaves deep on the ground. And I started up into the woods and something said to me, How many squirrels do you want this morning? I said, well, I've got 114 this year, or 117. I said, if I had three more, make 120, that would make just the even number to stop on. And I said, another thing, it would be, give me six to take home, which I love them better than any meat there is to eat. And I said, if I could just get three more. I walked on up through the woods a little farther, and oh, there was none. Good hunters like Charlie and them got one. And I said, well... Uh, something said, say to it, speak the three squirrels and you'll have it. I said, that's happened once. So I stood by the side of a little tree late in the afternoon on the side of a ridge and that anointing comes so great that I could hardly stand on the ground. It said, speak what you say. Don't doubt and you can have what you've said. I said, I shall get three squirrels. He said, where will they come from? I said, one will come from that way, one from that way, and one back this way. Make it radical. God don't care how radical it seems. He's God of circumstance. And while I stood there for about a few minutes, I could hear no shooting around the rest of the boys around anywhere. I happened to look to my back. Way up in the woods, about 90 yards, I thought something was on a stump. I watched it. Actually, it jumped off, and it was a gray squirrel. So far, all the way across, I hollered up on top of the ridge. When it come along by the side of the tree, I shot it at about 90 yards, and it killed it. I said, there's one. I might as well turn and look this other way for the others, because they're coming. See, God has a way of bringing things to you. Amen. Making you sure what you're talking about. That anointing is off of me then. Well, I waited and watched this way for about an hour. Nothing happened. I was getting cold. And I thought, surely, if that is the Holy Spirit that's telling me those things, it will be just exactly because when the anointing was on me, I spoke that word. And it'll have to be that way. Now listen real close to this. And this is going to be a tape recording. It'll go all over the world. Now, and then to my left, I kept watching. After a while, I looked up on a tree coming around the beech tree. There come a gray squirrel. I said, just exactly that way. 
That's right, Lord. I turned down, raised up to shoot him, and there come another squirrel. I said, there's two, just exactly, make my three. I raised down, shot the first squirrel. The other one ran under a log. I could see him cutting on a, a hickory nut or something under the log. The log is about that high at the end, raised up about a foot. I could see the squirrel. I killed the first one. I said, now I'll get the other one. Now I leveled down, put those crosshairs right over his ear, not over 40, 50 yards away, and shot and hit the log. And the squirrel never even got excited. I put another bullet in it, and he turned around, went down the log, went the other end. Well, I leveled down and took the best aim I could, and I'd only missed five shots all year. So then I leveled down right perfect shot and touched the trigger again, and I hit about four inches above him. I said, I must have knocked my scope out. And then I watched again the squirrel run up and went right out in the side of the woods, broadsided from me. Well, I said, I knocked my scope out. I'll just shoot him broadsided then in the chest cavity. And I raised up and put the crosshair, and I thought, maybe I've got cold and shaken. I thought it wasn't cold and shaken when I shot the other one. So then... Just the same, about a minute or two apart, and I got a hold of a bush and put it in my hand and held the gun real tight and put it on the cavity, chest cavity of the squirrel and pulled the gun off and I shot a foot under him. And I pulled to get another shell and the gun was empty. While I was loading, I said, I'll get him if he'll stand there. And when I got the squirrel went on up through the woods, I stood there, I thought, what? There's three shots straight missed. And I've only missed five out of 114. I said, how could it be that I, my gun would be out? And just then it come to me. You can't shoot that squirrel that way. He was come from that way. God's word is perfect. Amen. Couldn't shoot him from the south. He's coming from the north. Well, I said, I'll just turn around this way then and watch north till he comes. I put more shells in the gun and watched the little... I said, if he comes, he'll have to be awful close. I don't like to shoot one close. It isn't sport. It isn't nice to do it. So one was the thicket there. I said, well, I'll have to get this one from the north because I said that way. So I stood this way watching. And I, I said, I guess got late. I said, at a quarter to four. Now, four o'clock, I'll have to leave because with them too because the boys are waiting for me. And so I waited a little while. Four o'clock came, three minutes after four. I said, well, I'll go get my squirrels. I went up and got the squirrels. Come back so dark I could hardly see in the holler. I started down the holler. And as I was going down the holler, it was dark. And I passed past the place where I've been standing. Something said to me, aren't you going to go up there and get that squirrel? I said, well, how can I see him now? With a little telescope sight, little bitty fine target scope, hardly enough light to see a few feet in front of you. I said, how could I see it? said, but you said that there would be another one. Oh, I wish I could just make that somehow I could get to see what that, yeah, that, what that really means, friend. See, under that anointing, it wasn't me that said it. It was God that said it. And I walked a couple of steps, said, turn and go back towards the north. Your squirrel's there. I went, turned, and I said, Lord God, I won't doubt a bit. I started walking back towards the north. 
Now are those sitting here noses started walking back towards the north and way up on the ridge, 50 or 60 yards away, a squirrel run up the tree, just enough light that I could see him. I searched with my scope all up and down the tree. No squirrel I could find. After a while, I thought I seen a knot on the tree way up there, so dark. I said, well, I'll try that anyhow. And I shot. And when I did, a squirrel run around the tree and run down. I heard it hit the ground. I thought it jumped off. Same time that happened, about 20 feet from it, one run up a white oak. I said, he run down one and run up the other one. Now, surely, Lord, you won't let me miss him. After I've already said under that anointing that this would be, and you're confirming my ministry, this will be six times that you've confirmed it to me. A number of man, six times. I said, you won't let me miss him. I looked all up and down the tree and way up in there, I thought I'd seen some leaves. I've seen something moving in it. I raised and shot and the squirrel dropped to the ground stone dead. Up the hill I went rejoicing and happy. I went to the first tree over to my left and there laid the squirrel. Well, I said, I know I got that one, but I wasn't sure of this one. I said, then, Lord, you give me one for good measure. I goes over to find the other squirrel. He wasn't there. And I looked and I looked and I searched under leaves and raised up little pieces of chunk and tore open an old log. And it wasn't but one log lane within 30 yards. And I tore it all to pieces, looked under the sides and held my hand in the leaves and felt there was no squirrel there nowhere. On up, there's a big old snag on top of the hill. I went up that little snag, this little bitty hole. I felt in there and I thought I felt my squirrel raising up and down. When I was... I said, well, I can't get to him, so in the morning, I'll bring the boys back and get I've got to go tell them. Now I went down to Brother Charlie, stuffed the hole up, went down to Brother Charlie and them and told them we went over to their house that night for supper. We was rejoicing in the presence of the Lord. And when before going to bed, Brother Charlie there asked uh, Brother Tony Zabel back there to lead in prayer. Now I don't say this to conflict are to hurt brother Tony. He is one of the finest Christian gentlemen that I know of. But just show you how the Lord works. Tony in his prayer that night said, Lord God, let it be known to us that our brother is telling us the truth. That tomorrow he'll find that squirrel in the stump. That was, I never said I'd find a squirrel in the stump under the anointing. I said, I shot the squirrel. Of course I couldn't get the squirrel. Because if I did, that had made more than I'd said. Just exactly what I'd said under that anointing. That's what God produced. So, I didn't say nothing about that. See, that's how a lot of times people say, Brother Branham said so and so. When Brother Branham says anything, that don't have nothing to do with it. But when God says it, that's eternally true. But Brother Tony didn't get it. He said, if that squirrel is there, then we'll know our brothers told us the truth. Brother Woods, Brother Charlie, all of them picked it up. We said nothing. I slept with Brother Tony that night. The next morning at the table, we were talking about, oh, it was a horrible day. And Brother Tony said, well, there's one thing. Brother Branham will probably get his out of the stump this morning, out of the tree. I said, Brother Tony, I never said the squirrel was in there. I said, I could feel it. When it raised up, it would drop. 
He said, it'll be there. It'll be right in the stump. We went on up, and when I left the car, I started to turn back again and say, there's something wrong. I better tell Tony now, because if that squirrel isn't in that hole, in that stump, I'll come back with no squirrel at all. Then according to the way he prayed last night, he'll still believe I told a lie. And I said, God, you know with my Bible that I've told the honest truth. And God knows that's the truth. It's just the truth. And I went on. Something just drove me on. And I went walking up through the woods hunting. I kept thinking, what if that squirrel isn't in there? He gave me his hunting knife so I could cut a, the hole bigger and reach in and get it. And something said to me, if it isn't there or if it isn't there, what makes a difference? I said, he, will, he wouldn't believe me. He prayed and said that if we find the squirrel, you'll know that our brother has told us the truth. And that great anointing comes and just say the squirrel will be up there and you'll get him. I thought, surely, Lord, surely this will be seven times straight. While this anointing's on me, I said, is that you? He said, say what you will. I said, I shall find that squirrel. The anointing left me. I hunted on until 9.30, what we were supposed to do, coming down and go get some dogs, and they thought they were. And I went on up the hill at 9.30, looked in the hole, felt around, cut. There was no squirrel there at all in the hole. I felt all around. Now what I was picking up was little fine grass roots or roots of trees. I was picking up and feeling it fall off the stick. When I run the stick in and pull it up like that, I thought I was picking up the squirrel and it's sliding off the stick, but it's little roots and things. No squirrel in there. I thought, now what will I do? I said, here it is, 930. I've got to go back. I picked up a rifle and started down the hill. And something said, did not you say you'd find the squirrel? I said, where would I find him? God being my solemn judge with his word here. Now I'm a man of 50 years old. A preacher of the gospel. Standing in this pulpit, something said, look under that little piece of bark. I said, Lord, I wouldn't doubt you for nothing. I walked over and picked up the bark and there was no squirrel there. I thought, I, just before I did it, something said, what if he isn't there? I said, oh, he'll be there. I picked it up and there's no squirrel there. I looked down with amazement. I saw a little bitty piece of gray sticking out from under a leaf. I pulled it up and there laid the squirrel. Making it just exactly right what he had said to do. Down the hill I went and told him about it and we rejoiced. And when I come to the car, Charlie standing right there at Banks, they were talking, wasn't that strange that Tony would say a thing like that in his prayer as well as he loves Brother Branham? And why would he doubt his word and say that? See, he just had to say it that way. For God knew it. I'd stand in the pulpit this morning and claim the same thing. You've got to watch what man says and then what God says. What God says is true. Then I thought, well, praise be to God. I went down. We had a great time. Come home. Brother George Wright for years has made the communion wine. And I'm closing. 
has made the communion wine for the church. Brother Roy Roberson back there called me and said, Brother Branham, let's go down and get the communion wine from Brother Wright, which is sitting here, him and his family. Now listen to this close as we close. Oh, God. We got to Brother Wright's early in the morning and as usual, a big welcome out. And we well, talked about the wine and then little Edith, the little crippled girl sitting there, which I've loved like we do here at this tabernacle. Not only me, but this tabernacle. Like she was our own sister. The Wright family's been the oldest family. One of them was the Slaughters here. Roy Slaughter and them. And the Wrights are Mrs. Spencer. Them were the, among the oldest that's been in the tabernacle. I think the Wrights has been coming here for some 25 or 26 years. I prayed and I prayed for that little girl. I prayed to see God heal her. And I've seen afflictions even greater than hers healed. And I've fasted and I've prayed and I've longed and I've sought the Lord with tears for the healing of that little girl. Poor little Peller was afflicted when she was just an infant. Perhaps infantile paralysis. It's drawn her little hands and feet. She suffered for many years. And when we prayed the first time for her, she stopped suffering. That's year, 26 years ago. Once she gets a stomach ache or a toothache, just as soon as we go to pray for her, I know the Lord's going to ta take it. But that affliction, and I've seen her sit here in the building when other cripples to get up and walk away in afflictions and so forth and wonder, why don't that little girl walk? Lord, appear over her. Let the angel of light overshadow the child so I can speak, thus saith the Lord. If it was up to me, I'd speak it, but it ain't up to me. It's up to him. Now I watched it. And we were come back, she wanted a rabbit. Brother Woods and I went out and killed two rabbits. Brought them back for her. She had dinner ready. Mrs. Wright and them. And during that time, Sister Hattie Mosier she just lost her husband. I married the couple some years ago. They got two fine children. And Brother Watt was killed. His own boy found him under his tractor, mashed to death. And the little boy had a break and something happened to him. Brother Woods and I went out one night and stayed into the night where his mother and uncle were staying with him. And the Lord let him be well. And he's sitting present this morning. His mother was interested in him. That teenage just began to get out with the world. 15 years old or something. His little brother coming on 12, 13 years old. Sister Hattie Wright. All of you know we call her Wright. Her name's Mosier. But she's been a loyal person. A little old housewife. Lives in two rooms away back up into the hills. Out there with a shovel in a hole. Trying to hold the cocklebirds out of a corn patch to keep her little family together. She worked faithfully. When I was sitting at the table eating dinner, I've been explaining what faith was. I said, if faith's like this, if I see a vision of Brother Shelby sitting so and so in each one the way there was, and Sister Hattie was sitting way back out toward another room. She didn't have much to say. 
never does. And then while we were talking, I said, if the Lord showed me a vision that something was to take place, then I would could say it. That's what raises my faith. I said, when the Lord shows me what will take place, then I've got confidence it will be that way. When He showed me, I said, I'd come right here. If that little afflicted girl sitting there and the Lord showed me she's going to be healed, I'd come right here and stand in the tracks, see if everything was just exactly the way He said, and then say, Thus saith the Lord, Edith, rise up and walk. I said, you'd see those little legs unfold and them little hands unfold and she'd get up from there and walk to the glory of God. I said, if it would come like that. I've been telling them about this experience. And I said, do you know, I want to ask you something. Brother Banks was just sitting next to him at the table. And next set, the, then Sister Hattie was sitting way back and the boys are sitting here and Mrs. Wright and Mr. Wright and Shelby sitting back to my left. Now listen, don't miss this. Show you the sovereignty of God. And while we were talking, I said, I want to ask you something. What put those squirrels there? There's no squirrels in the woods. I'd hunted and hunted, and I, I'm not the best of hunter, but I've hunted since I was a little boy. And I'd hunted close, and, and they were in the most ridiculous place. And then the most ridiculous way I could call them. I said, what put them there? I said, I wonder if it is that my ministry fixes it to take a change. That the God of Abraham is confirming His promise as He did to Abraham. When He's up on top of the mount. And he needed a sacrifice for it instead of his son. Jehovah Jireh performed a miracle and placed a ram a hundred miles back his three days journey. And any ordinary man can walk 25 miles a day. Then he lifted up his eyes and saw the mountain far off. And then went to the mountain and went up on top of the mountain while ram back in there a sheep wild animals would have killed it and then up on top of the mountain where there's no water how did that ram get up there what happened God needed a sacrifice to prove to Abraham that he was Jehovah Jireh the very God of creation spoke a ram into existence now, it wasn't a vision. He killed the ram and blood came out of that animal. It wasn't a vision. It was a ram. I said, that same God. Hallelujah. That Jehovah Jireh is just as much Jehovah Jireh today as he was on the mouth with Abraham. He can still produce an animal to his glory. These squirrels are not a vision. I shot them. Blood came out of them. I dressed them and eat them. Amen. They wasn't visions. They were squirrels. I said that same Jehovah Jireh trying to get his promise over to me. My thickness and dullness of mind. He could speak my need into existence as same as he could speak Abraham's need into existence. I no more and said that until Sister Hattie's sitting there crying now. 
hadn't said a word. And she said, that's nothing but the truth. She said the right thing. She said just like Banks said down there. I heard her voice as a sweat from my ears like up into the wood. Mrs. Wright sitting back there with her little girl was trying to interpret what Edith said. I couldn't hear Miss Wright. And that super anointing swept over me. Said, tell Hattie that she's found grace in the sight of God. Who would have thought? Said, tell her to ask whatever she will. Then you speak it by this gift into existence. Amen. Whatever she asked, speak it into existence. I looked at Sister Hattie. The first time it was ever performed on a human being. I said, Sister Hattie, ask what you will. God's going to give it to you. What do you think of that? Does it get into you? Seven times he had confirmed it by an animal. Seven is God's complete number. Here's the first time on a human being. And he, what did he choose? Some great aristocrat, a great noted minister, a poor little widow woman that can hardly write her name. God knows what he's doing. Said, ask what you will. Had he said to me, Brother Branham, what do you mean? I said, ask anything your heart desires. And it shall be produced right here that you'll know that the Lord God of heaven answers and his scriptures are true. My first time with the new gift, my first anointing, I could hardly hear her. And she looked around. We've been talking about her little crippled sister. I said, oh, no doubt in my heart, within a few minutes, little Edith will be jumping to the glory of God. Hattie looked around, all around, and she said, Brother Bill, my greatest desire is for the salvation of my two boys. What a, why there couldn't have been a greater thing. She could have asked for $10,000, she'd have got it. What if it had been some millionaire would have asked for another million? God knows what she's going to ask for. Sister Hattie, at least seven or eight witnesses standing there, all you people that was present, when that happened, raise up your hand. Everybody in the building was present that happened. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven of them. Eight of them. Eight of them was present. When that happened, I said, ask anything you want to, because God's given it to me to give to you whatever you want. She said her voice was beginning to go off on the teenage tantrum. And she said, the salvation of my two boys. I said, by the will of God, by the power of God, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ your desire. And her two boys shook under the power of God. And that old building trembled. Banks fell into his plate. Shelby grabbed. And had he screamed to you, could hear for two blocks. And them two boys with tears rolling down their cheeks. Received exactly what they asked for. 
the first time it was ever used on a human being. Ask what you will, and it shall be given unto you. Her boy sitting there with her this morning. What would she have asked? What if she'd asked the healing of her little sister? What if she'd asked that? The little girl would have been healed, but her two boys lost. What if that poor widow who just told me that she tried to give to this church $50 on a pledge to help build a new church and bro Brother Roberson wouldn't take it and only let her give 20 of it. And I said to myself when she's speaking, I'll give her back the 20. But God said to me in my heart now, not by vision, in my heart, when Jesus was standing watching a widow put in three pennies where there was thousands of dollars laying, what would you have done? I said, well, if I had been standing around and said, we don't need it, sister. We got plenty of money. But Jesus never said it. He let her go on and do it because he knew what was down the road. So help me God. As my solemn judge, God knew that was down the road for her. And I'd run my hand in my pocket to get my pocketbook to give her her $20 back. Say, Sister Hattie. But he said, don't do it. And then a few minutes when the question was brought up about Jehovah Jireh, she said, that's nothing but the truth. Hallelujah. And it come from a poor widow woman's heart. Hallelujah. God knowing she'd asked the greatest thing could be done. As long as there is a heaven, when the stars is gone, when there's no more moon, no more earth, no more sea, them boys shall live on to eternity with the same Jehovah Jireh who gave the immortal promise. His promises cannot fail. I'm looking forward for the coming of this meeting down here in San Jose. Oh, if it'll just break forth. Now, when the anointing strikes, ask what you will. I have a perfect assurance that when that strikes and whatever God puts to be asked, it'll be just exactly that way. It has to be. For if you say to this man, see, it isn't you speaking. It isn't you, it's God. It's you so, so submitted to God. Now watch the prophets of old when we're closing. The prophets of old. When they were seen the coming of the Lord Jesus, they were so in the spirit till they spoke as if it was themselves. Look at David in the Psalms, 22nd Psalm, crying, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Not David, it was Christ 800 years later. All my bones stare at me. They shoot out their lips at me. They wag their heads that he saved others, but himself he cannot save. David speaking that as if it was himself, but it was the Spirit of God in him. Christ Amen. speaking forth. Oh, God be praised. Hallelujah. Moving into his church in the fullness of his power. Hallelujah. Moving among his people, spreading out his great wings of mercy. May he be praised. I haven't time for my sermon. Let us bow our heads just a moment. Is there one here? This morning, or how many of them is here that knows that you're not prepared at this time to meet God? Would you raise your hands and say, pray for me, Brother Branham. We can't bring you to the altar because the altars are packed. 
God bless you, brother. You, sister. You, brother. You, you. Back there, all around. You, young lady. You, my brother. Way back in the back. All around, God sees your hands. If He can bring a ram into existence when there is no ram, if He can bring animals into existence, if He's concerned about a little fig tree growing on the side of the hill or a little dead fish laying in the water, how much more does He know your desire and your... Sure He does. He knows that you need Him. Ask, then you shall receive. When you pray, believe that you receive what you ask for. Was that the Holy Spirit that raised your hand? If it was, then the anointing's on you. Then pray and believe God, and you shall have what you've said. Heavenly Father, as this day is growing near to the midday, and I've been at length here this morning on this story of thy divine grace according to your word. It is written in the scriptures that Jesus our Lord said, He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he also. And we know that those works are true. You could discern the thoughts of the people. You told Peter who he was, what his name was, what his father was. You told Philip when he brought Nathaniel, or told Nathaniel rather, that you saw him under the tree before he come. You told the woman at the well how many husbands she had. Oh, there is nothing hid from you. You knew all things, and that was your works. Then we see you say to that fig tree, Oh Lord, I believe the hour is soon coming that when the loaves and fishes will be multiplied, there'll come a mark of the beast soon. There'll come a confederation of churches and they'll put out a sign that a unionized church that no man can buy or sell. And your church, it won't bother them. For your Holy Spirit shall lead them and feed them as you did Israel in the wilderness. You are God. Don't let us miss that, Lord. Let us remain faithfully. Let us be true. Now, I don't know just when this will take place again, Lord. Maybe this morning again. Maybe it will happen again in the tabernacle today. Trusting that it will, Lord. Trusting that you'll put faith in the people's hearts and know that I haven't misled or said one thing wrong. I've said it just the way it come to the best that I know in my heart, Lord. Watching my words and weighing them. Knowing that you have confirmed that to me as I have said seven times. And knowing immediately after that on the first human being I ever spoke to she got the desire of her heart the moment she spoke. Now, Lord, there's many desires in here this morning. You'll have to anoint your servant, Lord. If you'll just send the anointing, let me have it this morning. If anyone should need, you just speak it to me, Lord. 
when they speak or whenever, whoever you wish, and let it come to pass. And I know that what's said then, it'll not be me. It will be you, Lord, speaking. I submit myself to you. And before I leave from this ministry, the old type of the visions and so forth, at this altar where I dedicated my life anew from preaching the gospel to signs and wonders, I dedicate myself again this morning to you, Lord, for service. The first time this has been told, the first time, Lord, that it's been manifested here sets of witnesses. Oh, Lord God, if there is anything you can use this old hall of mine for, I am yours, Lord. Take me and mold me and fashion me and do something, Lord, that'll honor and glorify thee. Spread it out amongst other ministers. Send it to the four corners of the world. The hours are getting late. Jesus is coming. Bless your people together. Save the lost. Everyone that raised their hands here this morning, save them, Lord. Give them the Holy Spirit. May their lives be dedicated to you. This little church, Lord, the pastor, and every pastor here, every evangelist, teacher, every member of any other church, oh God, as a body of people, we give ourselves to you. Take us and use us, Lord. We are yours and expecting to come to you someday in peace. Now, if there be any sick or afflicted, may they be healed this morning. May thy grace and eternal blessings rest upon them as we pray for them by laying our hands upon them and praying. May the Holy Ghost come and perform the work that he's ordained to be done. Granted, Father, through Jesus Christ, we ask this blessing. Amen. I have told you the honest truth. Just as God has revealed it and has did it, I have honestly told you the truth. And now I am earnestly seeking and desiring your prayers. I realize that a man of my age, 50 years old, the other morning I said to the wife, I'm already 50, honey. If I do anything for the Lord, I got to hurry. She said, Bill, God trained Moses 80 years. And said he can train you for another 50 years to get one day's service from you. He's got a purpose for you, so just stand still. I thought that's a lot of wisdom. Stand still. God moves every hand just according to His great plan. Just be still. Don't try to over to try to push you get ahead of Him. Then it's a whole lot better to try to follow than it is to lead, because He's the leader. Now to my little church here, my little flock that's been so faithful and has prayed for me all out across the world. I believe there's another worldwide shaping coming. These things I have told you is the truth. At the day of the judgment, I'll face you yonder with the same story. Just as true as I'm standing here. 
Now, I'm sure you all could see what it is. It's a coming of a greater, deeper anointing of the Holy Spirit. How to get into it, I don't know. Only thing I know, it takes God to put you into it. So you just live as sweet and humble and close to God as you can. Don't doubt Him. Just believe that everything's working just to the good for you. And everything will work around all right. See, Just remember, you are a sheep. He is the dove. And the dove leads the lamb. When, and the lamb and the dove has the same nature. The dove is the most gentle of all the birds of the heaven. A lamb is the most gentle of all the beasts of the earth. So see, their spirits would coincide with one another. Now the dove could not come on a wolf. See, it wouldn't stay there. The wolf is a killer. The lamb is gentle. So you see... It's the lamb and the dove and one leading the other. And you see where the dove led the lamb to? All the way to Calvary for crucifixion. And he opened not his mouth. When they spit on him, he never spit back. When they smacked him, he never smacked back. He just went right on knowing that he was, for the glory of God, he was doing the will of God. Sister Hattie, we're close to around the same age. Brother George Wright there, dad, her boys, mother, Shelby. I want to say this. I guess you wonder why I got up and walked out of the house as quick as I did. I have never, I've been worth 30,000 raw heathens was saved at one time. South Africa, come to Christ. I thought that was the greatest anointing I ever felt. It never in no ways compared with that down at George Wright's the other day. I have never felt anything like that. The whole room just seemed to be just a, a light of the glory of God. Now, Sister Hattie's very quiet and pious little woman. Never raises her voice about anything. But you could have heard her scream a city block when the Holy Spirit struck the building. Everybody, everybody there felt it. It was wonderful. We may live a long time, but Sister Hattie, as long as there is a memory in our mind, we'll remember that, Sister Wright. Now that the people might know that I told that just exactly true, would you raise up your hand, Sister Hattie, so Sister Wright and you all was there, just was there, just so that you can see, see there they are. Here, stand up, Sister Hattie. There's a little widow woman that the miracle happened on the first, bypassing all the peoples of the world for that thing to happen first. To that poor little humble widow woman up on the hillside up there trying to raise a crop of corn out of the crawfish ground out there to take care of her children. That's the one that God honored the first time since the days of, the, of Jesus Christ and said, ask what you will. Amen. I said, I challenge anybody in the name of the Lord. When that spirit strikes and says that, I don't care what you ask for, it shall be granted. You know why the plutocrats didn't get it? Or the big folks like that? It's because God knows they'd ask things that was no good for them. He gives it to people who He knows will ask the right thing. And what more could that woman... What more? Just tell me anything she could ask greater than that. Her mother and father saved. Her little sister saved. All the family saved except the two boys at that time. 
they wasn't saved. They're poor people. Shelby told me his constant income for a good crop, he netted $600 a year. Work until a boy's about my age and is all broke down, everything, and is working to take care of his daddy and mother, and they're old, and try and take care of his little afflicted sister, but he's saved. Brother Wright, all of them saved. But them two was not saved. And had he asked the salvation of her children, as long as there's an eternity, she could have asked for $10,000 and have got it. She could have asked whatever she would. But God knows what you're going to ask before he ever places the anointing. Amen. That's right. Sister Hattie, is it right that I said, ask anything that you wish, anything your heart desires, ask it, Hattie. Is that right, Sister Hattie? Ask anything you want to. It makes no difference what it is. Ask it. God has said to me, just speak what she's asked for and she'll have it. I said, ask it now. Just anything you desire. And she did it. Oh, brother, sister. Do you realize the day that we were living in? The most glorious time. When God of heaven will put amongst human beings to ask anything you will, and He'll give it to you. It's, it's too deep for my mind, I know that. But I hope that my heart can contain as much of it as I can. It's, it's just, I have lived on it. I have thrived on it. I'm going westward on it. I'm entering meetings on it. I'm living on it. God's words is right. As far as I know, that's the last thing to happen. I don't know nothing else. What it could be, just to give to human beings, ask anything that you desire. No matter what it is, just ask it and it'll be given to you. And could you see the wisdom? How many believes that, that that woman asked the greatest thing could be asked? Let's see. Could you imagine a, a woman with an afflicted sister could uh, ask for her healing? A woman is poor and her mother and daddy poor and all of them poor could have asked for money and got it. She could have asked for years added to her life and got it. But she asked the greatest thing that could be asked. The salvation of her unsaved family. And got it. Amen. That's the main thing. Got it for the same God to give the promise. Hallelujah. He's God. Oh, how I love Him. Now, we're going. is there any sick here to be prayed for? Raise up your hand. A woman called a few nights ago. There's three of them, I believe, from California or something that told me. That said, we've come two or three times and you give out prayer cards and our numbers are not called. I made her promise if she'd stay over that i just pray for the sick this morning. How many has been in here when we've had the discernments and things? All, all of you, I suppose, Amen. everybody here. See. We know that that's true. We're moving beyond that now. Oh, <laughs> praise be to God. We're moving beyond that now. Maybe it will come to pass. I don't know what God will do this morning. But you people that are sick and afflicted, I'm going to ask you just to come a few at a time. Let these on this side here come up so we can pray for these on this side first. Maybe I can catch it like that. Come right up here, sister. This line right up here. Because we haven't got, you have to send them back down the same aisle. I'm going to count them getting back to the same place. 
Uh, I could tell the way this little fellow talked this morning. He believes in divine healing. I know he believes in the power of God. Uh, is there another minister here this morning at the uh, minister who believes that God heals the sick? If there is, let him come up here each oil and come here and stand with us while we pray for these these sick and afflicted. Any of you, brethren, that believe that God heals the sick, God bless you, sir. Come right ahead. We want you to come right here with us. <coughs> now, we do not know what the Holy Spirit may do. The Holy Spirit may at this time perform just like He did down at Sister Wright's the other day. I trust that He will. I don't know. You understand. How many know, well, there's not many of you left here when the visions first started. I don't know what time they'll come, what they'll do. Everything is in the will of God and has to be controlled by God. How many knows that? God could not give man things to control themselves. If they did, then, you see, it wouldn't be God. It wouldn't be God. It would be. I want you to think here, friends, in this little lowly place, but how the Lord has absolutely... Brother Mike, beyond any shadow of doubt, has blessed us and performed and done just exactly what he promised he'd do. How many ever heard of superstition perception? Many of you has. It's, it's just nothing but mythology, spiritualism. But you know, they can't, them things are not lasting. They don't hold on. They can never get any material. They'll sit down there and have, they say, there's a spirit, there's a spirit, and they'll try to take a picture of it or something. They can't do it. See, it's just, it's not there. It's psychic, mental. But what God does is perfect. When Moses stowed down his rod, the magician stowed down his rod too. They both turned to serpents. Is that right? But what happened to Jambus and Jambus' rod? Moses' rod swallowed it up. And when Moses picked up his rod, it was still a rod. But where was their rod? Inside the rod of Moses. See, you couldn't see it. When God does anything, He makes it real. Now they tell me the Holy Spirit, you know, they say, that's people just worked up. It's mental. Them visions and things, that's just uh, mental telepathy. Well, when George J. Lacey examined that picture there, when that angel of the Lord, many of you stand here, seen on the river many times, he said, Brother Branham, the mechanical eye of this camera don't take psychology. He said the light was there. There it is. It's everlasting. It's truth. So you see, it's the same angel of God. Now watch it. The nature of it proves it. When he was here on earth, it was dwelt in a, the Lord Jesus Christ, who was God made manifest. And now Jesus said, A little while the world won't see me no more, yet you'll see me, for I'll be with you, even in you, to the end of the world, and the things that you do, that I do, shall you also. Now watch it. When it comes, a man can say anything. But when God backs it up, that makes it true. Now watch the nature of that angel. When he gets the person so submitted to him, he does the same thing that Jesus did when he was here on earth. Because we are sons and daughters of God if we're born of his spirit. See? And it ain't no mythical thing. It's got evidence to prove it. It shows that it's right. So our salvation is absolutely perfect. The God of heaven, who had all the prophets to speak of the coming of the Lord Jesus, and Jesus, when He came, He fulfilled every prophecy. Many of them was fulfilled at the cross, wounded for our transgressions and 
what David said, My God has thou forsaken me. But when God sends a prophet, a prophet speaks, God makes that truth. If it's God. That's what he said to know them. If they spoke and what they said come to pass, then believe them, for I'm with them. If it doesn't, then they're not. They're false prophets. He said, but to mark them, see where they come to pass. Now look, if God, who spoke in the holy prophets, talked about the coming of the Messiah to the glory and honor of God, if I know who would be president next fall and tell it, that would be prophecy. That's right. But God doesn't prophesy like that just to, or just to be playing. God does something to glorify Him. See? But when the Messiah comes, and when the Messiah left, I want to ask all you Methodists, Baptists, Presbyterians, Catholic, Lutheran, Pentecostal, Nazarene, Pilgrim Holiness, all of you, I want to ask you something. Don't you think that that King of the Prophets, Jesus, would have known how to set up His own church if all the prophets spoke of Him and pointed to Him? What kind of a church did He set up? When He left, He said, when He was here on earth, He told Peter on the revelation of the Word of God, he said, Upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. Isn't that right? All right. When he was, before he left in Mark 16, he said, These signs shall follow them that bleed. Did he say it? In my name they shall cast out devils, speak with new tongues, take up serpents, drink deadly things. He also said, The works that I do shall you do also. Is that right? That's the signs that's to follow his church. It's not a denomination. It's a set up organization ordained of God, Holy Ghost, filled, heaven-born church that comes out of all denominations, a real believing bunch of people. These ministers standing here are just along with me. We're man. He's God. But we're here to represent Him. We're here to tell you that we God has sent us to do this work, to lay hands on the sick. These signs shall follow them. Them signs, all signs that He spoke of will follow the believer. Here they are following. They follow, and God is not going to respect the person. What He did for Hattie, He'll do for you. What He did for the blind, He'll do for you blind. What He does for the deaf, He'll do for you. Anything that He's done for anybody else, He'll do for you if you will only believe. Is that right? Now, Brother Teddy, I want you to play only believe. And as these people pass through the line, then we'll get the other side. We're going to come through, all of us laying hands on you praying for you that your diseases will be cured. And it can, it'll be, and I don't know what God's going to do. I'm just standing here right now not knowing what to do. I'm just going to pray for the sick like I promised somebody that I do. Just pray for it. Last Sunday, remember I told you last Sunday was the was the revelations and so forth. This Sunday, I'd pray for the sick. Let us pray now. Lord, we stand here as your servants. We stand before your people. We're here. We don't know what you'll do. You might speak with tongues. You might interpret. You might give a vision. You might cause me to take someone's hand for a revelation. You might speak and give the authority to say whatever you will. I don't know what you're going to do, Lord. And maybe you want us to lay hands on the sick. We don't know what it is. We're just wanting to please you, Lord. We're standing here as your servants. And these are your people. And we're trying to help them according to what your word says to you. We're trying to follow your instructions. And I pray thee, Lord, that you'll give to us that what we have need to minister to the people through Jesus Christ's name. Amen. I want all the rest of you to keep your head down and pray. While Brother Woods, if you'll minister, brothers, I believe we stand right there. How many is it? Four of you here?
Or two on each side there, and I'll stand right at the head of the line right here. Just one more. Come over here, brother dear. Now, that's it. Stand right along there now. And as they pass by, all congregation, now you go forth and move back so they can walk out. Now, if y'all pray, go right straight here. Your seat stand with you. I'll call for the other side. Now, every one of you, not only ministers, but all of these, ought to pray for these people. You don't know what God might do for you while you're praying for somebody else. What if you'd say the right thing? What if here's a woman standing here that's uh, so sick they have to hold her up? What if your prayer would be the right thing? Just like Frank said the right thing, like Hattie said the right thing. What if you'd say the right thing, your prayer would go, God, to come down and do something. See, this is just not one person. This is the church and the of God. Everybody. Everybody's going to pray. I said that Brother Frank should just bring the people to it. Somebody standing here, you are working on the ushers. Brother Bird, you help us do that. Brother Banks, you come here next to us. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, the people are going to May they be you. Pray now, Lord. Bless, Father, to the honor and glory of God in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Then you be ready, brother. All right. Yes, the Lord bless you, brother. Sweet home, Maury. Well, from Oregon. San Jose. San Jose. Well, We're wonderful. God bless you. I hope, I hope that it'll just be one of the greatest meetings. We know it will. Thank you. There. It has to be. Thank you, my brother. The Lord bless you. Isn't this like heaven? When you think of uh, preaching the gospel and souls raising your hands to Christ, sick and afflicted passing through the line, baptismal services, fellowship, brotherhood, that's just... Just a little bit of heaven dropped down on earth. You know, we, I feel like what the apostle said that time, it is good for us to be here. If We, could, we don't need but one tabernacle, but uh, we love to be here for the service of God. Now, each of you people that <clears throat> come through the line this morning, was prayed for, just remember that the same God that granted all these things that you have heard done around the country. And they are truth, just as true as they can be. And all these ministers here, what's been done in their ministry, what's been done in the ministry the Lord has given me. We have stood here with sincerity, with all of our hearts, praying, laying hands on you, just exactly what Jesus said, these signs shall follow them that believe. If they lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. Now, it's just... There's only one thing to keep it from not happening. That would be for you to disbelieve it. Jesus said, Come unto me, all you labor and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Whosoever will, let him come. Now, there's only one way for you to miss it. God's Word's true. One way for you to miss it is not come. Isn't that right? That's the way for you to miss it. 
God said these signs shall follow them that believe. If they lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. There's only one way for you to miss it. That's disbelieving. If you'll believe God's word, God will keep his word. You see, to, that would be, that's the first initial, that's the way to pray for the sick. Pass them through, lay hands on them, or anoint them, or anything that God said. We, but after all of that, for God to let you know that He's in the midst of His people, He shows signs and wonders. And See, it's the wonders and miracles of the living God to do the things that He does do. Now, He's wonderful. Don't you think so? Now, the brethren are making ready in there for the, the baptismal service, and it'll just be quickly. And now, those are to be baptized. The women go to the room. Is that right? The women over there? The women over here and the man on this side. While we're making ready for baptismal service, I want to read a scripture in the next few minutes. And we'll be, I know some of your limbs are bound to be hurting from standing up. And if you can stand just a few moments longer, you'll see a beautiful sight when you see the, the immersing of these people. I want to read some scriptures now found in the book of Acts, the second chapter, while they're making ready for the baptism. I think there's only about two or three to be baptized. It won't take but just a moment. And I want you to listen close now. I'm going to begin reading out Acts 2, the 28th verse, beginning reading. Thou hast made known unto me the way of life, the ways of life, it's in the plural. Thou shalt make me full of joy and with thy countenances. Men and brethren, let me freely speak to you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us to this day. Therefore, being a prophet, how many know David was a prophet? He is a psalmist and prophet. Therefore, being a prophet and the knowledge that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruits of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus has God raised up, wherefore we are all witnesses. Doesn't that sound like today? We are witnesses of these things. I could say this morning, Hattie, the rest of you, we're witnesses of these things. Therefore, being at the right hand of God exalted, having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, He has shed forth this which ye now see and hear. For David is not ascended into heaven. But he said himself, the Lord said unto my Lord, set thou on my right hand. You remember last Sunday how we spoke of the prophets? All them great men, how they had to die. But one come, the royal seed. Set thou on my right hand until I make thy foes thy footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know surely that God has made this same Jesus who you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, that Jesus was both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, Man and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, 
for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to them that's far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this onward generation. And they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added to them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in the fellowship and breaking of bread and with prayers. And fear came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were gathered together and had all things in common, sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continually daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Now, just the father coming to the water, you let me know when it goes to the water. Uh, that you might know that sovereign grace that reigns with God. I want to go back. I just can't help from placing something else in. Did you know those two boys, that woman's children, that were saved, God knew that before the foundation of the world? And their names were actually put on the Lamb's Book of Life before the foundation of the world? The Bible says that? And it only had to work to this minute. Did you know God knew that we'd be standing here ten million years before the world was ever founded? Did you know He knew we'd be standing here this morning? The infancy of God. No one ever fly, ever nap, ever time to death or eyes and how much tallow they would produce. Before the world was ever formed, God knew. Now, you say, well, if He knows it, then why are you preaching? That's God, part of God's program. Preaching is His program. When He looked upon the apostles, He looked upon the harvest. He said, the harvest is ripe, and the labors are few. Pray the Lord of the harvest that He will send labors into His harvest. How many remember that? Well, why would they have to pray to the Lord of harvest to send labors into His harvest? If the Lord of the harvest is standing there, knowing it would be done. Why? God is so arranged that His... Now listen to this. God has so arranged that His program cannot move without you and I. And as long as we're not doing what God needs us to do, we're paralyzing His program. But when the church moves by the anointing of the Holy Ghost, then we are in God's will doing His program. Oh, as soon as I return from California, the Lord willing, what the Brand Tabernacle needs is a revival. They need a revival and the filling of the Holy Ghost. And that's the great need of the Tabernacle. Some of the finest people in the world come here. But what we 